I think there's just something really powerful about assessing, yeah, where you are in your life in each chapter and thinking, okay, what are the things that I value <clears throat> and, and what are the things that give, give me value and are these still true to me right now in this moment? When I, and I think just constantly refreshing those. Sometimes we wait for a breakdown for one of those reflections, but I think it could be done in the midst of a journey because if you're just staring at a screen all day, it can be pretty tough to feel inspired. I think that our source of the greatest creation comes from our child self, and it's the most honest part of us. Welcome to our greatest performance. My name is Mackenzie Rose Gorman, and I'm a coach, entrepreneur, creative, and advocate for holistic well-being. This podcast is your gateway to aligning with your purpose, tapping into ancient wisdom, and embodying your fullest potential. I'm extending the official invitation to step boldly into living your life as your greatest performance. Thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into today's greatness. All right, let's dive in. Our guest today is Dursu Rhodes, who I'm very excited to sit down with. Dursu was raised by creative hippie parents in Montana. He didn't have a television until he was nine years old. And from a quiet yearning to fit in as a child and just be normal, a necessity for storytelling emerged. And I'm so excited to dive in more to that. Dursu is endlessly fascinated by how we can use branded content to change culture. Nothing brings him more joy than working with open-minded humans on big ideas. That and some minimal down-tempo techno. Dursu, welcome to the Our Greatest Performance podcast. Thank you. So excited to be here. So excited to have you here. One of the main points of putting this show together, of creating this podcast, is tapping into our inherent ability to be creative as life is inherently a creative act and we are creative beings at our core. I think that a lot of people feel intimidated by creativity, thinking that if they can't paint or if they can't make music or do something like that means they're not creative. I'm really excited to talk to you today because you do have a whole career based in more stereotypical maybe creativity, but I also think that having that lens will lend to you being able to impart wisdom about what it means to be creative in general. Yeah, I would love to start with just based on your upbringing. I touched on it a little bit, but what was your upbringing like and how did that kind of mold you and shape you and put you on a road to get to where you are today? Yeah, I feel like the the early stages of creativity for me were around play. And I, I heard this concept recently that was around this idea that in order to like your greatest creative expression is coming from a place of your deepest honesty. And I think for me, the most honest I could be as like a kid was being fully lost in story or play. And it was a time when I didn't really know as much about myself, but I just felt like the most connected I could be to energy or whatever that source was when I was in the deepest form of imagination. And I remember the earliest stages of play were around some of my earliest memories of just like running in the forest in Montana with my sister and 
playing make believe and i remember my mom reading books to me and then we would she we had an exercise where i would draw the chapter after and that was the first emotional creative moments that i had and yeah i think it's been something that i've been <clears throat> seeking my whole life is this connection and and i love using the essence of how you used to play or imagine in in your most excited state as a kid as a clue to how you might create best as an adult and what i mean by that is just this idea that if you were somebody who loved to just set up a bunch of different activities at your house with your parent okay we're going to eat lunch at noon and we're going to go and play in the yard and then we're going to try to build a fort and or here's these all these different options we can have different places we can play i think a lot of those people that i've talked to end up by being facilitators or some sort of they love doing events and then for me it was my greatest source of inspiration was in these moments where i was at the top of the stairs we'd built a fort i'm with my friend i'm like we're pirates and then my friend goes there with me and there's this exchange back and forth of us really feeling super inspired together and him or, or her like creating some sort of uh, additional story arc that adds on to my idea and when i felt like we were both in that space was it felt like being connected to god whatever that was at that point like it was very abstract for me but it was definitely the point where i get the most excited and honestly i feel that within my work now many times throughout the week where usually it's through an exchange with someone else where i'm in this like state of kind of play of ideas and that only comes from a really safe place so i try to work with people that are make me feel very safe and that don't laugh at my ideas in a way that's condescending so i think there's maybe two nuggets in there one is the idea of trying to figure out how did you love to play when did you feel the most excited and inspired when you were young and maybe trying to recreate that structure somehow in a different way and then the other part is just like making sure that you're creating with very safe people because i found that yeah in past roles my my career advice was pretty traumatic in a lot of ways because i think it didn't feel super safe just through a pretty intense culture and obviously yeah. there was incredible people but a lot of it was traumatic just with the way that feedback was delivered etc and then joining mudwater after that directly after that was like a stark contrast because you had an incredibly open vulnerable founder who encouraged showing a tear on a zoom call or saying that he didn't know about an answer and and for me that was so empowering and i have a few people actually advice one of my creative directors at the time she showed me a lot about like vulnerable leadership and yeah i think those have been themes that are like swirling in my head right now that i'm really interested in and and i think a lot of that came from just to arc back to growing up in montana in this home with we didn't have a lot growing up we were in a school bus at one point we lived i lived in a volkswagen van for a while i my parents we didn't have a ton of money we were on food stamps but oh my gosh we played so much my dad was constantly playing make believe my mom was constantly reading to me so there was i think from an early stage i realized the safer i felt and the mo more like appreciated and seen and loved i felt the more i could come up with ideas that were super out of the box and really outrageous so i think just yeah for people that are feeling stuck maybe there is like an examination of where you are in your life and who's around you and what's the environment that you're being asked to create in because if you're just staring at a screen all day it can be pretty tough to feel inspired if you're someone that loved to bounce ideas with someone else in person 
that's a hugely different energy. Yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind. <laughs> yes, I love this. Those are two really good threads. I love the piece of looking for the hidden puzzle pieces that can unlock your success now in who you were as a child and how you played and what lit you up and made sense to you because we all have a different way that we channel creativity or that we can make things through our minds. And along the lines of success leaves clues, we leave clues for ourselves through our youngest selves. Who we were will can show us how we can be now. But the other piece I really love that you touched on was the safety piece. If you were to be encouraging of someone who wants to be more creative in their work or just in their life, but they feel like it's an unsafe environment, what's and what's a way that you can either give safety to yourself to maybe have more confidence and shelter yourself from harsh criticism? Or are there other ways like putting yourselves around the right kind of people that you would suggest to create a safe place for yourself to allow your creativity to bloom a little bit more? I think with working in teams or I think there's a dynamic of a work environment and creativity there, which is, I think a lot of it is dependent on good leadership and there's that part, but I think also just to speak a little bit to your own, your own safety and that cultivation of ideas. Like I think a lot of it comes down to the management of feedback for yourself. And I, I think about so many instances, especially in a lot of creative disciplines, you get a lot of feedback from people and they, it, it can be really disheartening. It's like you, you have amazing idea and then someone tells you they don't even react to it. And for example, it's like you bring it to a presentation and the clients, okay, where's what's the next idea? And that can be so disenchanting as far as like, how do you constantly come up with ideas if you feel like you're not, they're not valid. And so to me, there's also this segmentation of kind of what, where, when you're creating. And, and <clears throat> I would say what I've started to learn to do is to fall in love with the process of the idea part and treat it almost like a ceremony. And I'll go outside, I'll sit in the sun, I'll have a sketch pad and I'll just like open the doors to, okay, let me just have weird ideas and anything's possible, anything's valid. And it's so fun and it's so playful. And then there is a, a battening of the hatches almost in some ways for the part where I do pitch to people because then it's like almost a reminder in some sense before I'll go into a meeting sometimes, even having things written down that say things like, okay, your ideas are amazing. You did your best. Whatever comes next is has nothing to do with you. And so there is almost like a, a segmentation of just of how you come up with ideas and then when you put them out in the world, because it doesn't really have anything to do with you at that stage. It's really just, it's, it's all subjective. And yeah, there's, I think there's really like a protection part of just making sure that you're really careful with that because I love the idea of, of if you had a little child version of yourself who was ignored for 20 years and then you're expecting them to come up with ideas and, and you've been ignoring them the whole time or like, telling them their ideas are shit. There's no way that the ideas are going to come and that they're going to feel comfortable speaking up. So I think there's, yeah, a lot of like coaching of yourself. And I had a really trippy experience 
going up, I did a vision fast where I went for 14 days up into the Sierras and, and the Inyo Mountains. And we, it was like a men's retreat with the School of Lost Borders. And we ended up by, by having five days, or it was like four, four days and a night where you're literally alone with just your, yourself, no, t- no tent, no food, no fire. Yeah, it was wild. And, and I had this moment where I was, I was, I've been, I've had a really intense fear of the dark my whole life. It was, it's it's psycho, like where I would go camping and suddenly when it gets dark, I get this like ominous, this feeling of such intense fear and it didn't make sense. And I used to really be critical of myself and talk a lot of shit to myself, Mm -hmm. just grow up. What's your, what's wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. And then more recently I had one of the facilitators offered me some input and was saying that instead of being very critical speak to yourself as if you're a little kid who is your best friend and like really and i remember that moment of laying on the ground and it's just dark as fuck and i'm laying there and i'm starting to have this like tightness in my chest and this fear and instead of this condescending tone to myself i I treated myself like the sweetest little boy and i kept saying things like you got this. I know it's scary. I got you. And it was really like an intense um, experience, but wow, like what a transformational, even that shift of how you speak to yourself. And it sounds so cheesy. Everyone use nice words and, but really to do it in practice out loud is like a pretty incredible shift. And also just being aware of that voice that you say to yourself, it's almost subliminal in some ways. I'll, I'll be in, especially in a creative process and say the weirdest things to myself like you're a fucking idiot out of nowhere and it's really subtle but i have started to try to catch it and it's actually a a thing i'm really conscious of right now of how much i go into yeah like a really weird self-talk and just how nuanced it is and it can be really quick and very silent but just being aware of that dialogue is pretty surreal yeah That's, I love the piece of you get to have awareness of how you interact, not just with the world, but with yourself and you get to coach yourself through it. That sounds like a really powerful experience on that vision quest. That's, but it translates so much to the real world. Like you said, working on creative projects and especially when people want to perform at a certain level or have a certain type of success or just be praised or lauded in a way for what they're doing, you have high expectations for yourself. So the ability to step in and look at how you're speaking to yourself and treating yourself and actively use tools like that is so important. And I especially love the piece of actually saying it out loud to yourself. I guess it's not always conducive, maybe if you're uh, working around other people or something like that. But I do feel like that's so powerful. Are there instances along your career? I mean, you've worked in some amazing facets of the creative world with Vice at Mudwater, even in your early days doing stuff with Reef and Billabong and all that. I'm sure that fear has come in along the way and in life in general. How is fear something that you deal with and perhaps use almost to your benefit? Whoa, let's see. I I think using it to the benefit... I would say the side effects of of fear are a lot of times that you become very aware of yourself as how you come across to others, or I think it's a huge ego check, which I think is probably a gift. And 
Yeah, I, I like the idea of being very sensitive to how you're coming across. And I think the the fear is, okay, so I won't, I'm not, I'm an imposter. And the side effect of that obviously is that you are now very sensitive to what you bring to the table and, and making sure that you're bringing your A game and like doing a lot of studying to catch up with people that you feel like you're, you're, you're not quite having quite reached. And then I would say throughout my career, I don't know, it's interesting to think of tools because I've done things when the, uh, a lot of times it's breaking out of, if I find myself in a state where I'm very contracted and I'm maybe working on something where I feel really stuck, I was talking about this before, but just maybe breaking your, just your, even your body language or the way that you're sitting or just like shifting, shifting that really quickly. And I, I don't know, I think there's those kind of tools that I've definitely used. Yeah. What if we flip it on its head? If What if I put it yeah. more in a easier context of as you gained confidence moving through your career and through life in general, you're getting better at something. So you feel more confident, et cetera. What are ways that you promote confidence in yourself, whether from an external facet or internally? Yeah, beautiful. I think through gratitude practice, definitely has been a big one. Just jotting down through things I'm grateful every night or every morning has been really powerful. I love the idea of the subconscious too. And recently had a friend share with me just how the the sort of programming of your subconscious can be almost coached and facilitated. And that could be as simple as doing some sort of gratitude practice before bed or really thinking what were three very present positive things that surface throughout the day. And I think that's probably a big part of it. I I love the idea also of self-praise in some ways. Of I have a, a notepad where I literally will screenshot a lot of love that I get and put it into that thing. And if someone sends me a really special text or they appreciate a set that I recorded, I'll take a screenshot of that and I'll put it in this notepad. And sometimes when I'm feeling really ratchet, I'll still look through that thing and, <laughs> and, and encourage myself. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I feel maybe more calm from the day to day. I think there's less of this crazy ride, but I don't know if I've actually mastered this in, in a significant way. I think I still am dealing with pretty crazy moments of of doubt of what is my purpose and etc and then there's also these moments of really feeling totally connected and totally confident and i think maybe i would say that the the shift that maybe is present is just this idea of it's going to be okay and that this will pass and and this period of darkness just like knowing that there will be a moment where i'll feel really good again or that yeah. this period of time with this job it's going to pass like we're going to be okay and just trusting in that is probably one of the biggest unlocks. And also just trying to identify the fact that it's not necessarily something that means something about you specifically, like failing at a project. It's not like I have to rethink my whole world. I had a crazy experience of losing my dream job at the start of the year. And I've talked about this with people a lot, but it was such a huge crumbling of this whole identity that I'd built for so long. And with it came an amazing freedom and a breakthrough and also a re- examination of what were like the measuring sticks that I had that were giving context to like how well I was doing it and how valuable I was as a human. So I guess it's, yeah. I, I love this concept of you build this room throughout this chapter of your life and 
each of the walls is this measuring stick that you use to define how good you're doing. And I talked about this a lot over Burning Man, but it was this idea of if you're a DJ, a lot of times you can have an entire section of your career be defined by how many people are on the dance floor and who you're opening for or who you're headlining for and what part of your headlining. And so I, I think when you have a huge unraveling or some sort of crumbling or collapse of your like measuring stick building, there's this opportunity to like re-identify what are the things that are valuable and like how am I measuring my success or value as a human? Maybe as you get older too, you maybe less have less of like vitality. I don't know. It's just like your body changes and shit gets weird sometimes. And you're like, I, I have more gray hair than I did. And there's a whole like identity thing that happens there. And I think also this, they say old people don't give a fuck. And honestly, I think that's where you do get some freedom is this feeling of, I don't know, it's okay if they don't like me or if they don't like my work or it's okay if I don't maybe look as sexy as I used to. And yeah, I think that also that collapsing over and over of these identities, which happens more and more as you get older, becomes this like freedom. And I would say almost like a tool. And if you do have a moment of deep collapse or something where something that you really valued goes away, whether it's a, a significant other or a job or um, a chapter of your life, there's like this beautiful moment to find some freedom and like to breathe a little bit and to also, yeah, just look around and, okay, were these measurement tools that I used, do they still apply to this next chapter? And just to add like a really quick anecdote, this idea of being a DJ was such a, <clears throat> and a producer was such a huge part of my life for 10 years in LA. And yeah. I was so caught up in how many people were at our parties and like how, what was our follower count and what were we releasing? Was it good enough? And, and then after the pandemic, it all just collapsed. And I've had the most fun playing this last year and because I gave up on the dream in a lot of ways. And it's just, there's less measurements, right? Because if the dream has, is built of all of these measuring sticks, and so when those all fall apart, it's, does it matter how many people are on the fucking dance floor? I don't know. So that that kind of that's like a really beautiful experience as well. Easier said than done. I'm not saying it's always the perspective that you have in the beginning, but like also just looking for that is like a really beautiful, I think, reassurance of your growth. Yeah, absolutely. I think that little anecdote, which is not so little, is such a good way of tracking growth in that you can see that it's when you can release the attachment to it that's when you can bring the essence of the beauty of it and you're in it for the craft and how much you love it no matter how many people are on the dance floor and so when you drop that attachment to it then you find more freedom and even authenticity maybe in being less performative and more soul and heart led yeah. Um, yes. You said so many things in that that I wanted to pull off of. But the first is around purpose, because I think what you said is so relatable, where especially now in this day and age, we talk about purpose a lot. And I talk about purpose a lot in my work, but there's this component of people don't exactly know what their purpose is or they don't feel super confident in it they feel like they're behind or they're doing something wrong. And I think there's a different kind of introduction that can be made of our purpose is different at different points in our lives. It doesn't have to be this one mission. It can be, and sometimes it is, 
but also we can break it up and look at what's my purpose in this decade or what's my purpose even at this organization or what's my purpose in this relationship and breaking it up into different pieces. And with you, I'm just curious, how do you navigate feeling sometimes the what is my purpose and sometimes feeling super tapped in and really connected? And what does that feel like? And what what advice would you maybe offer someone who can really relate to that feeling? Oh my gosh. This feeling for me is probably one of the most intense things that I experience uh, on a weekly basis. And it usually happens after seeing a really good piece of art, whether it's like an amazing film or something of that nature. I always go into this state of, oh my gosh, they must have a purpose. That's so beautiful. Even seeing Barbie, I was like, fucking Greta, what an amazing <laughs> creator. She's so gifted and yeah. has such a vision. And it almost gives me this feeling of like emptiness or just deep sadness and like longing. Cause it's like yeah. this, I see this high art and I see this even within any form. And usually after that, it's this thought that comes in, which is, yeah, what is my purpose? What's my version of this high art? And then I realized that a lot of times I would say that this feeling of longing for almost like envy of create creation is maybe not like a great way to find purpose because it's all based on <laughs> ego, right? It's like your ego is the one who's driving that truck at that point. And so yeah. I, I would say that's like a great place to just, you know, feel what you want to, what because there is a feeling there that's valuable because there's like a longing or, and that can be a huge amount of fuel for creativity, whether it's being inspired by a specific aesthetic that you see or like wanting to work with someone like that or do that kind of project. Great. And I think it's pretty, it's a lot of pressure. And to think about that's such a huge question. Okay. What's your purpose? And the biggest breakthrough I had was actually shout out to Ben Nempton, who wrote a book called The Buried Life. He used to be in this show where they would do all these things they wanted to do before they're before they died and then they would help someone else complete theirs. And at first I thought it's like such an egotistical, self-centered thing to go and just do all the shit you want to do. Like how does riding a horse in fucking Nicaragua have anything to do with helping humanity or like defining who you are? And and then when I heard him say something that really stuck with me was that the only way or one of the the, the ways to find purpose is actually through play. And because you going to ride a horse in Nicaragua Yes, might not make a lot of sense and, and could feel very selfish. But in that state, you're like saying hell yes to the little kid. And you're like, the little kid wants to ride a horse in Nicaragua. It's let's do it. And yes. I think that our source of the greatest creation comes from our child self. And it's the most honest part of us. And so <laughs> it's the most like un unfiltered. And I, I think... So it's like getting to know that part of you. That's the mission in my mind right now. Cause I still don't know what the what fuck my purpose is. Like I have no idea. And so my goal right now is to play. Like I did improv classes last year. I'm doing all the things that scared me. I'm gonna, you know, it's and I believe it's the more that I'm inviting that little kid into the conversation and honoring that part of me, that's where that comes from. And I think that we're putting a lot of heavy weight on ourselves as humans to try to identify this like reason for our existence in a sitting where you're like 
trying to crack what it is that you're going to do for the rest of your life and it's going to give your life meaning that's totally insane and so i think through play that's where we find it and that was i feel very strongly about that and and i'm grateful for a lot of like great teachers and people that have helped articulate that but yeah i think that's like a beautiful place to start cuz i would say it's also going to change your purpose at a stage of your life could be caring for your sick mother and it could be the deepest expression of creativity that you have. And this idea of going back to a director, that was a dream of mine for so long. And I started to think, what is it about the directing that's so appealing? Is it like, maybe it is just about wanting to play make-believe with a bunch of people and have them be in the world with me. And if that's the case, I could be a teacher. I could also do kindergarten or preschool teaching. And I could read a book to a group of kids and have thousand times more of impact to myself and feel more connected to my whatever the universe and these children than I would directing a fucking Ridley Scott film. And so I think that for me is like a really good way of looking at this. And yeah, a beautiful like unpacking of kind of maybe a, a wayfinder for people that are feeling lost. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think that we live in a time when it's so easy to numb or to dissociate or to fill our time and days with things that are distracting, that we've lost connection to our truest selves, which can often be accessed through our inner child, through these things that we loved and through the way that we like to play. Um, I have an interesting hypothetical situation for you. So in school, we're taught math and science and history and all of that. And I think it's been good. However, you get into the real world and you realize there's so much of life that we aren't taught about and that we have to go figure out. And some of it is finding your purpose or finding your why. And some of it's confidence and some of it's creativity. Um, if there were like a university of life and you could design a class or a course or a major for someone to learn a subject or a topic that you think would really aid them in living well and living a, a rich, fulfilling life, what would you design? What would you craft? What should someone learn to help them along that path? No pressure. I always had a dream of some sort of earth school. And mm -hmm. I feel like everybody I talk to has this dream to some extent, but this idea of just what could we go sit in the woods or out, out in nature mm -hmm. with people that have spent a lot of time out there. And there's like a I, I yearning for myself to like connect to some sort of elder heritage or, or some sort of, yeah, like understanding of, of nature and also just stillness and things like that. So I think there's also this, yeah I think about these kids that are dealing with ADHD and so many things and feeling disconnected from their parents. And I imagine this thousand acre property in Montana or Colorado where you could go with your kids and you just are for a week and you're just learning from a Blackfoot elder who's like teaching you about horses or but I, I think that dream world would be one of the most beautiful projects you could ever imagine and I think it's it feels a little cheesy I think honestly to say out loud just because it's yeah obviously that'd be great but I also like the idea of there's a school in Sweden or I think it's like somewhere in Scandinavia where they've broken apart the first of all it's a circular classroom 
there is a there's no grades so it's like where you feel the most comfortable and with with which group of kids the elder kids a lot of times it's like your levels of education and and learning are based on your modality of learning whether it's like auditory kinesthetic or visual right so it's you might have a visual kid who's really good somewhere with color whereas a kid who's auditory struggles there but is amazing in music or whatever and i think we it's yes. we've grouped everyone in such a strange way and our school system is so archaic and i think it's it's changing like i know in ohi there's 20 outdoor schools so that's beautiful but i like the idea of just what would we yeah how could we disrupt the traditional model of learning and if i could yeah i think a lot of it would be based around play and and this idea also of collaboration and like how can you add on to each other's ideas and so i always love the idea of a circular project where you have it being passed between people and it's almost like telephone mm -hmm. of art or design and oh. i think that's like a beautiful concept because it's one of my favorite ways to work it's here's an idea and i pass to somebody else they see somebody something i haven't seen just through their life experience and so what would that look like in a classroom especially a circular classroom and with all windows <laughs> i like that as like a concept um i'm not sure if that's necessarily like a curriculum but yeah no, it's amazing. And I think we can play off of that a little bit because the pieces of collaboration, like a lot of times in the way that school is structured, it's you sometimes have group projects for, for the most part, you're on your own figuring it out. And then we do get into the quote unquote real world and you have to work with people a lot more than any kind of real capacity that you did in school and school projects. I do think that's a an aspect where sports can really lend itself to the development of a kid. But I think the collaboration piece is huge. The being able to also be like, come up with an idea that you're proud of, like we talked about, but be able to hand it off and say, maybe you could see something I can't see, which is that piece of practicing non-attachment or not taking things personally. I think there's so many little pieces in there that would be so effective and helpful. Um, and I also want to spin off of just what you said of someone might be able to add or contribute or see something that you couldn't see. And to me, the way that I receive and hear that is just thinking about we are all living lives that are unique from our own perspective and point of view. And so when someone feels purposeless or like they don't have something to contribute, at the end of the day, it's not about having these big, grand things all the time. It's just the fact they inherently see something slightly different. And we can learn so much from each other's perspectives and perceptions of things. Is there something that stands out to you of someone's story you heard? I know you shared about Ben Nempton, but a story you've heard or even just a quote or mantra or phrase that kind of changed your perspective on life in general or anything along those lines i'd love to hear yeah i, I probably have said this to some point in some conversation but one of my favorite quotes i'm just going to pull it up because it's so good yes. it's a stanley kubrick quote <clears throat> and he says if you really want to communicate something even if it's just an emotion or an attitude let alone an idea the least effective and least enjoyable way is directly. It only goes in about an inch. But if you can get people to the point where they have to think a moment what it is you're getting at, 
then discover it. The thrill of discovery goes right through the heart. I love this so much because I think my desire in my career is to find ways to hide the pill in the pudding. And I think with like environmental causes or any sort of work where we are trying to convey a message for a brand or or a mission, it's a lot of us, it's how direct can we be? I think there's the model of Patagonia where it's, they're very straightforward. It's we're going we're gonna to sue Trump, the Trump administration, right? Like pretty straightforward. And then there's brands like Liquid Death or I, I was thinking of even, there's a couple brands out there. I think even Mudwater was another one. Like we, it was almost like shifting what's our pudding. And I think in a lot of ways it was like looking at what's the value that we can add to the world that's not just us preaching about what we sell or what we care about. And I think a lot of times I, I love the concept of just what's an indirect way of presenting an idea that's not that allows someone to discover it on their own and to be able to find themselves like either connected through an emotion or through, I, I think the tactics would be like emotion or comedy or some sort of visual discovery or some sort of presentation that's like very beautiful or even just like informative in a way that makes someone feel like an expert. And I think there's like all these tactics that you can use to tell a story or to convey a message. And a lot of us, I think you just go so straightforward with what you're trying to do, but it's like, what's the value that you're adding? And hopefully the dream would be to create content that constantly adds value to the world. And you see it traditionally as branded content where you have like a piece of entertainment, entertaining film that also helps champion a brand. I think people are getting very smart. And so you definitely need to be like very transparent about the brand involved and how it's done. But I love the idea of finding really creative ways to convey a message and to share an idea. And that's like constantly the work that I'm doing in, in, I think it just depends. Obviously, know your audience, and but like honesty and truth is a huge part of that. I think as well. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is your truth as a brand? What is your truth as like a an influencer or whatever you're trying to do? And yeah, how like James Blake? I got a chance to see him speak recently at a whole collective event in Venice, and he shared something so powerful, which was just like the the parts where he would get the most honest with himself and the most vulnerable and it was like really scary is always his greatest work. And he felt that when he was using some sort of tool that he knew would react to people like, oh, this has worked in the past, this line about love, I'm going to do it similarly because I know people like this. Or it's like, oh, this is must be what people are feeling, but it's not really what he was feeling. It usually was a point where he would stop himself and he would ask the, the question, is this brutal untethered honesty and unfiltered and if the answer was no then he would stop and completely start again and that's Mm -hmm. such an amazing way i think to also think about like your own creativity and the way that you're contributing to the world like the comics that i've been doing for me are probably the most vulnerable in the sense that they're very imperfect they're drawn on a notepad and the my illustration skills like they're okay but it but before it was like I need to practice drawing faces or whatever and then now it's just been like okay am I feeling like I'm about to start crying even while doing this comic or am I feeling really afraid of what I'm sharing because I think people are going to judge me 
if that's the case, it's usually a really good sign that I'm moving in a good direction. And so I like that idea as well as a as another wayfinder for people as they're developing ideas. And for a brand, it's hard to do. But honestly, I would encourage more brands to stop being so afraid because it's like we're we don't have time for brands that are fluffy and want to try to act as if they're something that they're not like no one has time for that we've gotten to a point in this world where it's tell us what you stand for give us like a point of view have some fun with it add some value those are the things i like i'm definitely challenging brands and myself to to constantly think about i am obsessed with all that because and especially humanizing a brand because at the end of the day a brand is an entity in and of itself, but it's humans that are buying and supporting and bolstering a brand. And I think that everything that you really shared of let's be honest to our core. And if it's not there, humans are so skilled to sense an energetic mismatch. And I really think that it's just such beautiful advice that you shared because it can be extrapolated into just the way we live in general as individual human beings. And that's what this podcast is about is if you want to, if your soul, people did believe different things, but in this hypothetical sense, if your soul is, I'm going to be Dursu, I'm going to be Mackenzie, how can I really make the most of it? How can I live the most fully? How can I have the most impact? One of the things would be, how can I be the most honest? How can I have the most alignment in what I'm doing and what I'm saying and the, and how I'm acting with who I really am and what I really believe in and what my truths are? And so I think your advice is so potent, not just in the creativity relating to brand and storytelling, but the stories that we tell with our own lives, because we all have our own stories to tell and they're all important. And I think that sometimes people will have some kind of opinion if someone says something along the lines of what I'm going to say, which is we are all unique and special and contribute to this world. But in a, in even looking at it from a physics point of view, if you didn't exist, if I didn't exist, if anyone we knew didn't exist, if anyone in this world didn't exist, it would be slightly different. And so because of that, unique quality that we all have simply by the fact that we exist, the nearly statistical anomaly that we exist, we get to write our own stories through our lives and looking at how can I add value? Like you said, how can I add value? How can I be honest? I think are hugely potent and impactful pillars that people can use to align to a story that makes the most sense for them that impacts others to the the highest degree and really lends to looking at life creatively. So I love that share so much. Um, thank, thank you for patch, packaging it so inspirationally. Yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah, that's, seems important. I'm just thinking about, I think a lot of the stuff that we go through also it becomes our special code. And I love this concept. Yes. I, I think Ram Das talked about this idea that it's, you're always prepared for where you are in your life. Like your specific experiences is your direct code that like allows you to be able to show up in that moment. And it could be that you actually don't think you know how to show up in that moment, which is actually 
exactly what needs to happen. And there needs to be some sort of void there that happens. And I think I, I just love that as a concept because I think sometimes it's easy to feel like you wasted a chapter of your life or you wasted your time in a relationship that was toxic. And to me, that is the actual code that you get to unlock this next chapter. And and it's exactly that code that once again, just is your, like your greatest truth and your, and your greatest yeah. expression. So that to me is like, it's important to really celebrate that. And even the weirdness of, of when you go through these, like feel like they're contracting chapters of your life. Oh my gosh, you're speaking my language. Um, yeah, I like to call it your authentic code. That's something that I work with the people that I work with, but we all have that. And relating to the concept of what's my purpose, it's also, if you're thinking about what's my authentic code, pieces are revealed as you move along, like things shift and change. And especially as we go through painful things, difficult things, hardships, confusing times, those are pieces that actually unlock us and give us yeah. new pieces of our code, which is what we can then take to the world and do with it what we want or what we will. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I think that is so important. If you were to create three rules for someone or for yourself that allow you to live authentically and in your truth, what would be three maybe guiding principles that you would institute to help yourself or help someone who's listening? Like, this is how you find that alignment yeah. with your values, with your, your being honest with your truth. Three guiding principles. I would say... The three Dursu rules of authenticity. I love the idea that nothing is sacred and everything is sacred is just a fun thought. Yes. Because, yeah, it's like the same thing as nothing matters and everything matters. It's just like a fun dance between those two. And I say it a lot loud to myself quite a bit. Let's see. A big one around probably the idea of forgiveness just in general i i think forgiving myself as quickly as possible in a lot of ways for something that i feel like maybe i didn't show up as well or and, and it just allows i think you to move faster through things and also forgiving other people it's that resentment thing is can be really intense especially it can last a long time and it takes up a lot of space yeah. try to forgive myself as quickly as possible and and then maybe just the idea of being really like a f really sweet loving father to my little the little boy inside me is probably another big part of it and yeah that seems like such a huge part of this game and it's interesting this week because i felt pretty off last week coming back from burning man i was probably the most just worthless as far as coming up with coherent ideas and i was so negative to myself and mm -hmm. not even just like i could hear this voice of what is wrong with you? What, how are you not able to comprehend this? And I think just in that moment would have been a good reminder just to try to coach myself a little bit better. Like it's all good. You just sent it pretty hard. Like you're just, you're coming back to life. It was a huge opportunity to grow in a different way. You need to rebalance and be more loving. But yeah, those are probably like three big things that are themes that swirl a lot for me. Beautiful. Yeah, those are all really potent. 
something that I feel like is woven itself through a lot of this conversation or your answers is just, we haven't said this overtly, but about faith and about that, how things are showing up, how things are playing out. You have faith that you've said that if something bad is happening, remembering that it's going to get better and that there's faith in when something happens just in general that you don't know, like, how does this relate to my purpose? Something like that. It will be revealed to you. And then to also tie in with the being laid off from your job and how that has shaped your point of view of, do you have faith that is something that needed to happen or was supposed to happen to lead you to the next thing? And how does that in your eyes play into revealing purpose? And just to clarify a little bit, I think that for me, something that I've learned a lot through my life and what I work with people on is our pain and the difficulty and like the shittiest things that happen to us often are things that look like a stone in our path, but really there's something that we can use as a stepping stone and something greater is revealed. A lesson is revealed. The next place we're supposed to be or person we're supposed to meet or perspective even of how we view life is beyond that challenge and that pain. And it's something that we can galvanize and use for our betterment. I always like to think at the end of my life, I live by this roomy quote that says, live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. So no matter how good, how bad I tell myself as a way to move through things with faith, this is rigged in my favor. I don't know how, I don't know why this sucks. I can use that to believe that it's leading me to the next best thing. I'm curious if you had that feeling at all when you went through something that probably felt extremely devastating, the loss of your you know, dream job or however you viewed it. What was that process like in your head and where are you at with it now? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely never something that you would want to tell somebody who's going through that in the moment, right? It's it's when you're in the thick of it, it's so tough to have this kind of perspective and the times that I was deep in that the pain of losing that identity or whatever, <laughs> that career, it was like, yeah, I think it was just going through it, just feeling it all and really yeah. just collapsing into it. And I think there's this undertone or maybe this me that's the higher self looking down from a lifeguard tower saying, it's going to be good. You're good. But I definitely didn't feel that way in the moment at all. And I think rarely those periods of collapse, do you have the perspective that you're talking about and all good? I, I would say it's the time period of incubation of your cells, of your body literally transforming and your mm-hmm. mind transforming. And if you were, I think, completely out of it with this perspective of I'm all good, you wouldn't really have as deep of a transformation because I I think part of it is like actually being in it in the mud and feeling all of that stuff. And the deeper that you feel it, I would say is probably the the deeper that it changes you. And so my, my practice has been a lot around welcoming the discomfort. And I used to, and I still do, I battle with this constantly of like, when I have a dis- an uncomfortable feeling, a lot of times I turn to things like cannabis or all, it's this feeling almost of like boredom is a really scary feeling for me where I just feel bored. What am I doing here? And and so a lot of times I would like smoke and then I get super stoned and I get really inspired and feel like a little kid. And then, but I never really face what's going on there. And so 
I just, I, I'm always sensitive to giving that kind of feedback to someone who's really going through it. And I, I think yeah. it's just, dude, it's all good. You f- just feel this shit. It's, it sucks. And it's like acknowledging it and just being in it. And yes, I agree that it's the greatest gift usually in the sense of, I have no regrets. I'm so grateful that this happened. And I, yeah, I think I, there was like this trust in the background that was taking care of me to some extent. Sometimes it's also creating art during that time of of struggle can be like a really beautiful time to to define the next chapter and like to express what's going on with you. And yeah, I I guess like it is always a gift. And now looking back at it, thank goodness. And I looked at something that was so painful as probably one of the biggest transformations I've had. And yeah, now I'm like very grateful to the person who let me go. So it's funny. Yeah. I think I definitely feel that and fuck what a like intense, intense thing to go through. And I always have deep sympathy for people that are going through that stuff and they're feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. I loved your answer because it's so true because you don't want to bypass what's going on. It's if someone were to to even kick it up a notch when someone like loses a family member and then someone will say like things happen for a reason it's it just it's not the it's there's have to have congruence in like imparting a lesson or wisdom with what's actually going on in the human experience for someone and being in it is so real because it yeah it's the human experience to feel and to have all of these, like what we would maybe call low vibe, but they're not low vibe. They're real human emotions of processing and grieving and being like in a forlorn or despairing state or all of these things. And it's one of the paradoxes of life of you can have the faith or like from an outside perspective, it's so easy to say, but look, it's going to lead you somewhere better. But when you're in it, it feels horrible. And so I really appreciate you saying that and pointing that out because, yeah, in the end, we all can look back on these things in our life that we thought were world ending or that were great tragedies. And we do learn from them and they do shape us and they do reveal these beautiful parts of ourselves or of life that we maybe wouldn't have otherwise otherwise experienced. But I love what you said of just it's important to really be in it and if you detach too much you're not going to get the lesson of it or like the learning or the wisdom whatever way you want to look at it and that is what makes it in hindsight so impactful and important is because of all that you learn as you learn like resiliency through the thing and yeah and the piece about wanting to distance ourselves from uncomfortable feelings, I think, is so relatable because as humans, we don't want to feel the the things that feel bad. It's just in our nature. But that is where the gold is, right? Exactly. And yeah. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And when you have the awareness of what avenues you sometimes take, like with the cannabis or with what whatever, I'm curious if you were to just reflect on your process of learning to 
sit with the discomfort more. I think that's something that people really struggle with or that they know they should do, but they don't want to because it doesn't feel good or they just completely unconsciously are doing that. I'd love for you to, if you have anything more to unpack there about what it looked like for you to realize that you were doing that and what does it look like to have a practice where you bring intentionality to being with the discomfort? Yeah, there's this teacher that I got to sit with for a second that was talking about the, it was, she just, I I don't even know what the technical thing (laughs) is, but basically it's like cuddling with pillows and it's this idea that she said when she's feeling really shitty and it just feels she feels stuck and she's pacing around the house and just feels this thing creeping in just to lay down and i think you put a pillow between your legs you put one behind your back you cuddle one you put one under your head you put one under your feet or something like that and you just lay there and you just fucking just be in it and I just like that as, as a concept of, of full surrender. And it's also the idea of just cradling yourself or, yeah. And I found some beautiful moments in that, just that act of just surrender and that sense of that deep surrender, especially in the masculine. I think there's this feeling of wanting to fix it and and to figure out the way through. And I, I'm not sure there's much to fix. It's more of just how can I welcome this in the deepest way because it's the only way it moves right i think pain comes from a division of your emotions and how you think you should feel in a lot of ways so it's i should be good why am i being such a baby and then you're not feeling good and you are a baby and (laughs) that that the pain is actually like that separation of those two of what you think should be and so maybe it's like almost celebrating is oh i'm fucked right now like i'm a full train wreck and laying down and just being in that and i'm this is like an encouragement for myself to continue to move towards that and that was yeah sybil who shared that and i i think it resonates with me in a lot of ways and it's something i think for a lot of us a society just hell-bent on, on remediation and trying to figure out how to fix things in the moment it's can be really challenging yeah that would be an encouragement for us all. That's beautiful. That's really good advice. I love the being held by the pillows and just, I think, yeah, it's especially in the masculine when, and women can be in this masculine energy too, but I think we see it a lot in men, but like the fixing, the needing to have something to change it right away. Like I'm going to fix this problem is, is a really like standard way to approach things. And instead thinking of it, even I like this pillow analogy, but thinking of it, like if you were to hug the emotion and be like, I'm going to like hang out with you in these pillows for a minute and we're going to be intimate in, I'm going to have intimacy with my sadness and ask you like, why are you here? And like, how can I attend to this? It's really in our like resistance to the thing that we don't want to feel that perpetuates the thing that we don't want to feel. Totally. So thank you for sharing that, that insight, because that is a lot of the healing work. I think people like to think that healing can either be like this, like sunshine and rainbows and people get crystals and do tarot or whatever, or there's a lot of different conceptions of healing. But I think one of the biggest things is looking at healing as processing. And in order to process, you have to feel it's like the most 
simple ways to put it all and people don't want to do that part. And so look at someone on a healing journey, going to like retreats and things like that. But really a healing journey can look like crying and being on the floor and facing your shit and like feeling all the stuff that you, sometimes people spend decades and decades intentionally not facing and not feeling. And that's where we really get to rise. And I think it's a, also a piece that we get to be more authentic and more ourselves when we're in tune with what we're actually feeling and feel safe to feel it. Yeah, I think it's a big missing piece. And I also appreciate you tying in just the piece of masculinity because I think it's especially hard for men to, we live in a society where it's don't cry and there's different postures that happen where whether it's society to men or men with men or women with men, it's not as safe of a place to feel and express. And so I think that's an important um, piece to it all. So I appreciate you touching on that. I have one more kind of question and then I have a few rapid fire questions for you. But in thinking of your life, like a performance or even just this story that we get to tell with our lives, what is something that allows you to give yourself like creative control or creative direction over your own life? Like, how do you think about your life in terms of storytelling? And do you look ahead at the story you intend to tell? I'm just curious of the personal narrative and your life you live and you having such a close tie with storytelling because you've done it for brands and creative direction. Do you ever think of what it looks like to be the creative director of your life? And can you give me any insight into that? Yeah, just to maybe plug the comics a little bit too, the, these things I've yeah. been doing are, are definitely, I think, uh, an exercise of how do I tell a story of my life? And, yes. and I love just the idea of coming with just a question or an aha as your thesis. And when I get to a point where I feel this paradigm shift or something opens up where it's like, oh, that's good. And it's come through mm -hmm. therapy or it's come through a conversation or it's come through like a crazy experience I've had where I feel really vulnerable or, or stuck. And then I, it's usually trying to source that, the maybe the kind of creation of that within maybe my self uh, as a child. And, and just going back to that again, because it seems like it's a common theme, this conversation, yeah. but this idea of, yeah, just what, what, where does this come from? Like, where does this feeling come from? When did I first have this feeling? And that's usually the beginning of the story in some way. And it's mm -hmm. okay. I have this, the fear of the dark. I remembered in that moment of laying in the dark and starting to talk to my little child self, like a memory came of being, I don't know, six or seven years old in Eureka, Montana in a teepee with a friend. We were like camping out at his house and, and there was a, the teepee flap didn't go all the way to the ground. And so there's a space there. And then we're laying there and this black bear came and had its Whoa. snout underneath the, the teepee and was just like breathing above my face. And I remember it and we checked this and it was clear that this had actually happened. And the dad had come and seen the foots, the, the paw prints and everything. And so it was in that moment of remembering that I was like, I went back to that feeling. And then I remember just talking to myself, no wonder you're afraid of the dark. Are you kidding me? That is insane. 
that you went through that and that you're, of course, you're afraid of the dark. And so I think, yeah, there's this beautiful part of that. And yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to use that as like a way for me to dissect a lot of these stories. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, my life is just around the sourcing of sort of the beginning of this journey and like, how is it impacting? And is it still true? A lot of these are stories. And so is the story still true? Is it still true for me now? And asking that question over and over is like a huge part of of my work. Yeah. That is good. That's something someone can take away for their journaling practice or therapy or sitting down with a partner is just the investigation of, is this true? Is it still true? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Just to wrap up this interview, I have some rapid fire questions I wanted to ask you. Are you ready? Yes. Amazing. Okay. The first one is, what is something on your bucket list? This year, I've been doing as many things as possible that scare me. So I feel like I've got a bunch of things that scare me on my bucket list. One of them is there's this thing called contact beyond contact that happens that where you basically like dance improv contact which is so terrifying to me but i want to do it because it scares me and i did improv at the start of the year which was totally insane i'm definitely not an actor but it was so fun and just to tap into that feeling of play so yeah i think that and I don't know. I feel like it's just things in the moment that I'm excited about that feel very close. I I haven't really been going super deep as far as, yeah, things that I've always wanted to do. But maybe another one would be to be in a play, to do theater. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Acting of some sort, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me know if you're ever in one because I want to come. Um, okay. My, my second question is, what is your favorite or one of your most recommended books that you recommend to others? Yeah, the, I read a book this year called The Overstory, which was just blew my mind. And it, yeah, it's just a, it won a Pulitzer and it's just a really beautiful book that stars trees, but it's also fiction, so there's a lot intertwined, but I, I would just say that it's like a book you have to read in this lifetime. It's changed the way that I really look at the forest and that I see trees and just how incredible they are. Okay, I'll add that to my book list. I have a very large one, but I love a good book rack and trees. What is something that you believe in or live by that others or like mainstream might think is a little like cuckoo this is a bit far but i would just say there's this perception that we have with i think culture in general just around this idea of ejaculation as being this like thing that's just part of the formula and i think it's actually a source of a ton of depletion and also like a mindset that's really a bit skewed towards male pleasure and this idea that this is something to be sought in every sort of interaction or or any relationship. And then also just within our day to day. And I think it ties into elements of the patriarchy a little bit of this idea that 
we've been taught this sort of one way of being. And I, I was actually just listening to a Montauk Chia episode and just the, how the Chinese for thousands of years didn't believe that this was actually something that you were, you know, should be doing all the time because it's actually a depletion of energy. And with that comes this feeling of weakness and disconnectedness. And it's something that I think, yeah, I'm just learning a lot about. And so I'm, I, I think it's like a, a thing where I say this to people, especially men, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I just, the more that I learn about this, I think the more that it's like a very interesting concept and also just what's possible. We're just scratching the surface, <clears throat> especially with men. We literally are, are uh, have been taught such a microscopic amount of what is possible with arousal and with intimacy. And so I'm really fascinated in that. That is just as a general theme. And I think there's ways you can go so much deeper that we really are just scratching the surface. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about understanding energy as a whole and life force energy and how we can garner more of it. I know that's more male oriented, but it's a good one. Thank you for sharing. Next question. What is a current goal of yours or a project that you're working on that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm really excited about this thing that I'm doing, which it's in its infancy, but it came from a bunch of play that we were doing at a birthday with puppets where we we just had this puppet that was there and we started to do this improv with this thing. And yeah, it was just ended up by being this story that I ended up by writing literally in one night with this group of people. And we want to do a puppet musical. And okay. I'm in the process of writing it with five or six friends. And yeah, the dream would be to perform this in a park for our friends. And it's like a mix between a, a I would say like party down catered service theme party mixed with a puppet show and so that's been something really fun to write it's like very goofy i'm also helping out with a project called Cetopia, which is like my shameless plug which i constantly talk to everyone about it's a regenerative fish farm project that's essentially gets delivered to your door like the best quality fish you could ever imagine and i'm so proud of james and daniela and that team who started it and i'm just really a champion of this project because it's a way to basically not impact our wild fish populations and be able to really regenerate the ocean and there's it's like big open water farms that are tons of place tons of uh, water for the fish to swim there's no waste and it's there's no mercury in it so yeah that's been something that i've been working pretty deeply on and i really care a lot about amazing we'll have to check that out we'll put that in the show notes as well yeah Um, Regeneration for the planet. That's one of the things that really fires me up. The next question is, what does the world need more of? More play, more honesty, more connection. Yeah, those would be the things that come to mind at first. I love this. What would you tell your teenage self if you could give them a message today? Drink less beer. Just ease up off the alcohol in general. Like you really don't need to to party that much. It's really not moving you forward super well. (laughs) Hmm. All right. I love it. Okay. My last one is if you could share one piece of advice or insight or even encouragement with the listeners to help them live a more rich or meaningful life, what would you say? I would say there's really just 
so many opportunities in our lives, I think, to just check in with ourselves as to what, yeah, what are the ways that we measure the chapter that we're in. And I just to go back what we talked about before, but like you could be working on a massive project and and suddenly have a moment where you stop and just assess, okay, what is the important thing about this? And I just, yeah, I think that's something that I, I wish I would have done more because I think a lot of the ways that I've lived my life were potentially dictated by past measurement tools that were expired and no longer relevant. So that would be maybe something I would encourage people to do more often. I love that. Yeah, it's a lot of times when we're having such a problem that we do that assessment. So to bring it in as a tool more regularly is really smart. Thank you for sharing that. Just to wrap up here, where can people reach you if they want to reach out, share any encouraging words or feedback or collaborative, creative projects, et cetera? Where can people find you out in the world? Yeah, for contact, Instagram.com slash Dersu Rhodes, D-E-R-S-U-R-H-O-D-E-S. And you can find me also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Dersu Rhodes. And I've got so much music there. A lot of really special stuff. I've spent a lot of time curating really special playlists. And also you can go to my website, dersurhodes.com, D-E-R-S-U-R-H-O-D-E-S.com. That's it. Amazing. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Fantastic. I will also type up everything. It'll all be in the show notes. If you guys want to go there and just click those links, that'll be there. Thank you for being here with us because it was a really special conversation. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. I'm so grateful for your time and putting this together and allowing us to have a platform to be able to have these kind of conversations. So I really appreciate you, Mackenzie. Absolutely. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. That was such a fun one. I love talking creativity and all of the amazing topics we covered there. To support the show, if you feel inclined to rate, review, follow, subscribe, all the above are incredible. And it really does support myself and getting the show in front of more eyes and more listeners so that we can share the wisdom of these beautiful guests that have been coming on and of the goodness that is our greatest performance. Lastly, there's a new round of Radically Aligned, the Conscious Life Design course that I run live opening up in March. And if you are interested in getting clear on who you are from an energetic level, from the level of your authentic code, who you were born to this world to be, and what it looks like to create, design, and pursue a life of purpose and meaning and intentionality and alignment with your skills and gifts and values, this is the course for you. It is truly revolutionary. I stand behind it with my entire heart. And if it's something that you're interested in, please reach out. I'll put all the information in the show notes. And I would love to have you be a part of this next cohort and this journey. I also have a spot opening up for one-on-one work. So if you're interested in going deep into truly creating 
the life that you've dreamed of and you just know that you have certain blocks or there are certain things that come up for you. I adore working with people to bring out the most true and authentic and highest expression of who they are into the world and to create a life that feels beautiful and looks beautiful and is just designed around freedom and impact and joy and growth from the inside out. So I'll leave you with that. See you next time.